It's such a pleasure. Thank you so much to be invited here, among, here in Los Angeles, among the city of angels. I heard you people are holier than others. Is that true? <laughs> you know, I just got in last night with my wife from Atlanta. We came in from Atlanta, and we were with um, some CCF pastors. I know who, 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 I know you know who they are, but uh, I will not mention their names. I will not destroy the atmosphere this morning. <laughs> but praise God, you know, it's such a pleasure to be here. And I bring you greetings from your brethren in Makati. Do you know where Makati is? Yes. Praise God. Okay. Now, who among you, just so I know, do not speak Tagalog? Anybody not speak Tagalog? I know my friend Dan, you know a little bit, right? No. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's really a pleasure to be here with you. And um, I heard a lot of good things about you. Pastor Insong told me that you started off basically with just a few families. And by the grace of God... You are now 150. Praise God. Amen. Let's give God the glory. And not only that, but you are also 80, oh, 80% of you belong to small groups. And you know what? I have good news for you because the nationals, the CCF in general, averages only about 60%. Okay? So praise God. You guys are on the right track. And uh, who among you are D group or small group leaders? Raise your hand. Okay, praise God for you. Now, I know it's tough, right? Am I, say, am I correct? It's not easy. Especially when you have what they call the EGRs in your group. You know what an EGR is? Ask your neighbor, are you an EGR? <laughs> Extra grace required in Tagalog. Sutil. Okay? Praise God. So, but you know what? I admire the group leaders because, you know, I myself have had to deal with a lot of EGRs throughout the years. And it certainly is not easy. So, praise God for you. Keep it up. Keep going. Okay? And um, just as a quick uh, review... Why is it so important for us to do what you guys are doing of leading small groups and serving the Lord? Why is that? We all know how we are saved here in CCF. We keep repeating and repeating that. We are saved by what? By God's grace. And our part is our faith. Okay, so why don't we go to that, uh, to that verse now. Let's read it together. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 10. For by grace we have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is a gift from God. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For what purpose? For good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in them. Okay. Now, a lot of us, sometimes we have a tendency to forget this. That we are actually, each and every one of us is God's workmanship. In other words, we are God's projects. When I was much younger, I used to love projects. I used to have a vision of something that I started from nothing, okay? And down the line, work on it, put a lot of time and effort into it, and eventually it comes out maybe not as good as I wanted, 
But you know what I'm saying? Like you guys, do you all have some kind of project? You know, you work on something, you put your time and effort, you want to produce something out of that. Well, let me tell you, that's how God sees you and me. All right? Each and every one of us has very much value to God. He sees us as His projects. And what does He want from us? He wants each and every one of us to what? To, according to that verse, let's go back to it, it says, for good works. And what's really amazing is this next statement which says, which God prepared beforehand so that we would actually walk in them. Now, if you look at the, the Bible in, in Romans 8, 29, it tells you that we are all predestined. Meaning to say that God had all of this plan. He had you in mind. He had you as His project in mind. He had a specific vision for you and for me even before He created the world. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? You don't mind if I use Tagalog words, huh? Okay. Konti lang, no? Okay. So praise God. Now what am I talking about? What are these good works that you and I are supposed to produce? Each one, let's read together in 1 Peter 4.10. Each one should use whatever gift or gifts he or she has received to what? To serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Okay, so each and every one of us, what does that mean? That means that there are no exceptions. Each and every one of us is expected by God to use whatever gifts that He has blessed us with, for what purpose? To serve others. Okay? So many of us, we say, wala naman akong gift eh. I have no time. I'm too busy. Diba? Can we actually say that? Because it's very clear, each one should use whatever gifts. Now, folks, I don't know if you know this, but when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when the Holy Spirit descended upon you, He brought with Him at least one gift. Now, perhaps maybe some of us don't know what it is. What should we do? Let's ask. Okay? But I, I understand, you know, like here in the U.S., not like in the Philippines, perhaps we don't have maids here. So life gets to be routine. Am I, am I making sense to you? Right? There's a lot of stuff that you guys got to do, day in and day out. A lot of times, you're just so tired already, and you just have no more time to do anything else. Now, I understand that, because I, I lived in, the, in North America for seven years. Okay, now, I don't like to say this, because you might not let me out of this door, but the nicer part of California? No, I'm not going to say that. Northern California. Okay, I went to school in the University of Social Filipinos. Do you know what that is? U-S-F. Okay. Filipinos there were so sociable. I was one of them. Now, unfortunately, I got into a lot of bad things. You know, during that time, this was in the 70s. Okay, so you know how old your pastor is. You know how old I am. I'm actually 31 days older than him. Okay, now San Francisco during that time was a, it was like a, a nuclear holocaust thing. Drugs were prevalent, violence was all over the place. 
Okay? That's how it was. And I, I, I got into these things. I got into drugs. I got into alcohol. I got into to, to a lot of violence. Uh, we had fights and things like that among gangs. It was, it was messy. It was very messy. All right? I wanted to, to, to portray an image of being a macho, cool guy. Okay? Maybe it's because I had to compensate for the way my father and my, my relationship with my dad. All right? So whatever it was, that's how I was. But you know what? God loves to work on people like that. I don't know if you see this, but 20 years ago, at the height of my worst years, all right, I had achieved financial success. And for some reason, one day, God just decided to take it away. And I rebelled against him, and one by one, my addictions started to come back. I fell back into drinking, womanizing, until I reached the point, friends, wherein I was totally bankrupt. Everything I had worked for was gone. My wife was about ready to leave me. It was a horrible mess. And that time was the time when the Lord spoke to me. And He gave me another chance. This was about 20 years ago. And at that time, by God's grace and by His grace alone, I humbled myself. I asked God to forgive me for all the bad things I had done. And I accepted Jesus as my own personal Lord and Savior. And this was 20 years ago. And right after that, I don't know if you know this guy. His name is, he looks like Bruce Lee. His name is PTC. You know who I'm talking about? Okay. Pastor Peter decided to organize a D group. During that time, it was still called a cell group, right? And this cell group was held in our home, so we opened the doors, and we allowed all these strange CCFers to come into the house. And by God's grace, it went on for some... You know, your, your pastor Insong was also there, and, and Lynette. They were there among the group. I think Pastor Danny used to attend also every now and then, whenever he was sober. Where's Pastor Danny? <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> you know, and, and so here we are. We started this group. Pastor Peter was our leader. And let me show you a picture. You see the picture? Huh? Sorry. Okay, you can look at that monitor right there behind you. Okay, now you see, you see the guy in the background? You see the guy with, with the, looks like a leopard skin with glasses? Okay, that's Pastor Peter. Okay, of course this was 20 years ago. Now the kids were not part of the D group. Salimpusa lang yan because of the food, okay? But this is how our D group started out. This was about 20 years ago. And then after 10 years... This is how it looked like. Okay? And you see all kinds of people, all shapes, all ages, all sizes. Okay? Another 10 years from that point, this is how it looked. Now you can see the people have really aged already by now. Okay? But you know, our group, our group is incredible because we have people like in their 
20s, early 20s, all the way up to 70. And, and we all get along together. It's really wonderful, you know, how God has just put us all together. And uh, apart from this, I was also involved in the Living Free Ministry. Now, why Pastor Peter assigned me there, I really will never know. But Living Free Ministry, not, 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 for any, uh, not, not, not to uh, offend anyone, is a ministry that uh, helps homosexuals and gays to walk away from that lifestyle and live a pure and holy life. And apart from that, by God's grace, he also assigned me to, to Prayer Mountain, which, by the way, you're all invited to go to. That will be opening in the very near future. Okay? So, while all of this was happening, CCF, the movement, was growing. It was growing. And a lot of major decisions were made. And um, as you know, our, our headquarters was at St. Francis Square. Now, for those of you that are not too familiar with Metro Manila, that's right across Mega Mall. I'm sure you know where Mega Mall is, right? Okay. So it's right across Mega Mall. But what happened was that the elders and leaders of CCF made a decision to move it out to Tiendesita C5 corner or Tigas Avenue, where today stands our CCF center. Okay, by the way, who among you have been there? Please raise your hand to the CCF Center. Okay? Not too many of you. But, you know, if you go there, you will be amazed. And you will be so blessed knowing that by the grace of God, this CCF, this movement that started about 30 years ago with just a handful of believers, has now grown. Has now grown incredibly by the grace of God. Okay? So... What happened was that because CCF was now moved out from St. Francis, actually it's still there, but the, the headquarters is now in C5. That area, that area, I don't know if you can see this. Oh, what happened to that one? Okay. Okay, if you can see this area here, the heart of Metro Manila was left out. What do I mean by that? There was no CCF there. Okay, so the elders and some pastors got together and said, you know, we got to do something about this because we're going to be too far away. So how are the people that live in, in, in these areas around Ross Boulevard, Manila, Makati, Taguig, how are they going to attend worship service? Masyadong malayo. So what happened was that they said we have to put one in Makati. Okay, now I'm just giving you a brief history of how CCF Makati started out. Uh, so we put it, they, they planned it, they planned it, they started praying, of course, looking for people who would actually uh, lead and manage the church. Okay, now, CCF probably you know, was not a stranger to Makati. CCF was in Makati for many, many years until we transferred to Valle Verde, Pasig. Okay? Our office was in Reposo Street. Okay? We were meeting at AIM, we were meeting at Greenbelt before we went to PICC. So CCF was like a gypsy roving around, you know, something like that. So Makati was not a stranger to CCF. 
So they continued to look, 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 look until finally, Pastor Jess Lantin. Do you know him, by the way? Okay. Pastor Jess Lantin found this place. It's on a, it's called A Venue Mall. It's right, right along Makati Avenue where IS used to be in that area. Okay, so this was about two and a half years ago. So they found the place, they started negotiating with the owners, but the thing, the big problem was who is going to run this? Who is going, sino ang tatao dito? Okay, so by the grace of God, they prayed and prayed some more, and they chose to talk to me. Now, why to me? I will never know. Okay? The Lord acts in mysterious ways. So, the challenge was raised to me, and by the grace of God, of course, I spoke to my wife, I spoke to my family. I was, and am, still am, a businessman, a self-supporting pastor. I do not get paid by the church. I only say that because it's part of my message today that each and every one of us, when the Lord decides to use you in whatever capacity, it doesn't matter what you're doing or where you are or what you have. When the Lord makes a decision that I'm going to use you and your time is now, it's our time to actually step up. So what, what happened was that... Uh, a team was organized, as you can see. Uh, some of them uh, you will not trust with the uh, <laughs> attend. But uh, as I said, you know, uh, God works in mysterious ways. We put together a team, and CCF Makati was born. Now, this is a picture. These are pictures taken in May 2011 when the first volunteers conference for CCF Makati was held where 200 volunteers that night came and the ministries were formed on that night okay so the place was there the uh, the machinery was there the people were there and everything was all set so we had to fix up the place and we had our inaugural worship service exactly Two years ago today, by the grace of God. Two years ago. Praise God. Okay, we started off with a congregation of approximately 400. By the grace of God, we are now at about 1,000. Okay, we started with one service. We now have three. Two English, one Tagalog at 2.30. And Lord willing, we will have a fourth that the singles will champion. It will be a Vesper. All right? The young people will uh, be the ones handling that. So, you know, when you think about these things, are they scary? If you put yourselves in our place, we don't know anything. I never went to seminary. All I did was GLC. Okay? But to be honest with you, we were scared. We didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into because 99% of us were working a lot of our people they don't have maids either you know they did the stuff the household chores on their own but when God's calling came it came loud and clear and by God's grace we accepted that calling that was two years ago it was the biggest challenge 
in my life and in many, many of us. Today our topic is about stepping up and serve. And I'd like you to remember the story of Joshua. Joshua. Do you remember who Joshua was? Joshua was the number two man of Moses. And right before the fulfillment of God's promise was made, right before the Israelites crossed through the Jordan River into Canaan, into the promised land, namatay na si Moses. You remember that story? Moses was dead. He had... He was allowed by God to see the promised land, but he was not actually allowed to step foot into it. Alright? So if you can imagine how Joshua was, Joshua was probably scared. He was scared, as any one of us would be, because this would be such a great challenge. To serve God by entering the promised land, knowing fully well that there were so many kites in there. You know what the kites are? The ites, the parasites, the Amalekites, the Jerusites, the Blabasites, and whatever sites. Okay? And some of these guys were giants. Mga gigante. Okay, so Joshua was scared. And not only that, Joshua was grieving. He had just lost his, his mentor. He had just lost his best friend. But nonetheless, when the challenge of God came, what did Joshua do? He stepped up and he served. And Joshua has always been an inspiration to us. All right? Now, the next instruction of God to Joshua, when Joshua was in that situation full of fear, what did God say? Have I not commanded you? Let's read together. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So just as in our situation, friends, when the challenge was laid to us, was, was, was given to us, we sought the Word of God as our source of strength. And by the grace of God, following the example of Joshua, we were able to engage. We were able to accept the challenge and begin to work for the establishment of God's kingdom in Makati. Now, a lot of people said, why there? Do you know that that's a red light district? There's so many bad people there. Why there? Let me ask you a question. Who needs a doctor? Exactly. Does a healthy person need a doctor? They need God. People in that area, they need, needed and need God. After that, Joshua was given these instructions. And you know what, friends? Let's focus on these verses now because this is our theme for our message today. Okay? But before we do that, can we commit this time to the Lord? Our Father in heaven, Lord, we know that none of us is here by accident. We know that it is by your divine desire that we are here together, gathered as one, as one family, as one church, to glorify you, Lord God. Father, we pray that you would just touch every single heart here now, that no 
single heart. No individual here would leave this place the same as when they entered. Father, would you just put that burden into us to love you, to serve you, to glorify you for the rest of our time that you have appointed to us here on earth. We thank you, Lord God, for your great compassion, your mercy, your provision, and your protection. In Jesus' name we pray. Okay, so Joshua is given four instructions in these verses. The first is to love the Lord your God. The next is to walk in all His ways and obey. The third is to hold fast to Him. And the fourth is to serve Him with what? With all your heart and all your soul. Now, when you talk about loving God, we know that in Matthew 22, 36 to 40, Jesus says that to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind is the what? Is the greatest commandment. And the next one is to love others as you love yourself. Now, love, for many of us, it's an emotion, right? I will do it if I feel like, if I like you, I will love you. If I don't like you, I don't let love you. You don't deserve it. Why should I love you, right? But the kind of love that God is talking about is an unconditional commitment. It's a decision. Whether or not that individual deserves to be loved or not is beside the point. The point is, when God tells you, you love, you love me and you love others. Now notice he never said love yourself. Why is that? Because we already love ourselves enough. He said love me and love others. Okay? And then he says to walk in all his ways and to obey him. And the third is to hold fast to him. And the last, the fourth point for today is to serve Him with all your heart and all your soul. Now, how do we actually do that? How, how do we actually serve God? It's not easy. We all know it's not easy. The first, my dear brethren, is we need to focus on how to love God. Because if we don't love God the way we ought to love God, then our service will be nothing. It will be useless. Now, when you talk about loving God, as I mentioned earlier, it's a commitment. It's a decision. We don't do it whether we feel like doing it or not. We do it out of obedience. All right? Now, you see the points on this. It says, the first one says to serve, not out of duty. Serve God, not out of duty. Now, a lot of us, we want to serve God because we believe we must. That's true. Duty is a good thing. Just like when the U.S., they sent soldiers to, to Iraq, to, to uh, Syria, to the Middle East, to wherever. You know, these soldiers are doing their duty. That's a good thing. But God doesn't want us to serve Him because of duty. You understand what I'm saying? He wants us to serve Him because we love Him. We want to. It's an overflow from the heart. It's a privilege to serve Him. It's not something we're forced to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are we communicating? 
It's something that we do because of our love, because our hearts are right with God. And secondly, it's not, we don't serve not on the basis of resources. You know, we're thinking about it from a worldly standpoint. If I have too much, I will serve. If I don't have anything, I cannot serve. How can I serve? I have nothing. God's economy is totally different from ours. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever imagine or ask according to the power that works in us. What am I saying? Our resources don't mean anything to God. He just looks at our heart. And the third is to serve God with a humble heart. How could we possibly serve, love God and serve Him with a proud heart? It won't work. It will fall apart. It will not be sustained. Alright? So what are we learning so far? We're learning that to step up and to serve God, the first thing we need to do is to love God. The second, oh, before we go to that, I'd like to share this saying by our brother Francis Chan, the younger brother of Desmond Chan. Do you know Desmond Chan? Okay. This is the younger brother of Desmond Chan. Don't tell him I told you that, okay? He'll never talk to me again. According to Edmund Chan, he said, Take care of the depths of your heart, and God will take care of the breath of your ministry. So folks, we need to take care of our hearts. Amen? We need to make sure that our hearts, before we do anything else, step number one, are right with the Lord. The second step is to walk in His ways. What does that mean? To obey Him. You know, I can relate. The U.S. is not the kind of place where religion is really allowed to be displayed. I understand that. The thing that's happening here is spreading. The spread of evil. Okay? That's why Ephesians 5, 15, 17 tells us, why don't we read together, please? Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because why? The days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, if you want to walk wisely, if you want to obey the Lord, then what must we do? We must, according to these verses, we must understand. Now, when you say understand, it's not merely understanding up here, but in here. Applying the will of God in your life. To walk wisely, brethren, we need to apply the will of God into our lives. Now, that means changes. That means priorities may be changed. A lot of us, what do we prioritize in life? Friends, maybe? Work, maybe? Money, maybe? Okay. What is God saying? God is saying, get your priorities in the right order. What ought to be the very first priority? Can you tell me, brother? What is the first priority? God. To put God above all else. After that is spouse. After that is children. After that is work. 
and then ministry. God gave us a specific order of priorities on how to live our lives by. Alright? God said in Romans 12 too, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How, about, how, how so? By the renewing of your mind. So it's not easy. It's not easy to live in this world. But nonetheless, God has given us specific instructions to actually be the salt and the light in this decaying world. Alright? So a lot of us, we like to do what we do. Right? We like, I used to love watching videos. I used to go, of course, St. Francis, right? When you go to St. Francis, those of you that have been there, as you walk to St. Francis, what do you hear? You know what that is? Okay? That's all you hear. And that, I was into that. I was into that. I spent so much wasted time watching all these pirated movies. By the grace of God, He made me realize that I was wasting my time. Instead of wasting our time, perhaps there are things that we can do for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Okay? Sometimes it takes having to go out of what we call our comfort zone. Just like this baby. Can you read that? Move out of your comfort zone. You can only grow if you are willing to feel awkward and uncomfortable when you try something new. And you know what? This is so true. Okay? When they made me pastor of CCF Makati, I was terrified. I didn't know what to do. You, do you imagine talking to hundreds of people, smiling non-stop for hours, and, and really meaning it. You know, that terrified me. Terrified me. I really had to jump out of my comfort zone. Okay, but thank God we have good Spanish bread in CCF Makati. <laughs> because if not, no, I'm just kidding. The Lord gave me the strength to be able to do what He has called me to do. And what He has called one of us to do, He has called all of us. Each and every one of us is His, remember, workmanship. Each and every one of you was saved by the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ for a specific purpose. And that purpose, friends, involves serving Him. Okay, so how do we serve? First is to love God. Second is to, do you remember? Walk in His ways. And the third is to hold fast to Him. Have you heard of this new roller coaster here in LA called the Full Throttle? Who has ridden the Full Throttle? Raise your hand. Okay, why are you so ashamed? I hear it's the, it's the scariest roller coaster in the world. Okay? So when you're in a roller coaster, what do you do? You hold fast. Do you agree, friends, that life can often be a roller coaster? The ups and the downs. Diba? Totoo ba yan? You know, I remember we had this 
very, very lovely young lady in our D group. And this lady was diagnosed with breast cancer about three years ago. And you know, as a D group, a D group, you're supposed to love each other, right? So we loved her. We prayed for her. We supported her financially, everything. But she got well for a while. Pero bumalik. And when it came back, it came back with a vengeance. And as she was going through chemotherapy, there were, she went through so many sessions. She was not improving. But do you know, I'll tell you, this wonderful young girl. She had limited money, but she joined this, this cancer victims group of Aggie Sartu. Do you know Aggie Sartu, the wife of Pastor Ricky? And some of them did not have money for chemotherapy. Do you know that she gave her money to them so that they could go through chemotherapy? Last March, our sister Boom went off to be with the Lord already. And she went through so much pain. But you know what? When she died, it was incredible. She, by the way, all throughout, she never loosened her grip on the Lord. Talagang nakakapit siya. Hindi niya binibitawan ng Panginoon. All throughout. That's how she was. And at the end of her life, the gospel was shared throughout her wake, not only once, but many times. And you know what? Because of she left a legacy. She held on fast to God, and God used her life to bring many more souls into His eternal kingdom. So what am I saying? I'm saying when times are tough, and there's difficulties, and we don't know what to do, what are we supposed to do? To hold on. I'm sure our sister here has gone through similar situations. God will never let you down. He will never, ever disappoint. And our fourth point for this morning is to serve God. But serve God with all your heart and your soul. Each, 1 Peter 4.10 tells us each one should use whatever gift he has received. So what does that tell us? No one has an excuse. None of us can say, Ay, wala naman akong abilidad. Anong magagawa ko? Nobody. Because God has given each and every one of us a minimum of one. One spiritual gift that was brought in when the Holy Spirit came in upon our time of surrendering our life to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So we all have that gift. We can serve. It doesn't matter. Not, not all of us are teachers. Not all of us are, are singers. Pastor Insong is a singer, by the way. Does he ever sing in front of you? Praise God. You have a wonderful praise and worship team. I really want to commend you. Praise God. Others have the gift of compassion. Others have the gift of hospitality. There's all kinds of gifts. If you look at Scripture, and daminyan. So where is your calling? What gift do you have? Where can you serve? Think about that, brethren. 
serve with all your heart. They say that prayer in action is love. Love in action is service. Okay, let me tell you, before I accepted my, my uh, calling as overseer of CCF Makati, I'll tell you honestly, I was terrified. And I was this close to saying no. But one night, guess who woke me up? The Lord, in His unmistakable voice, talked to me. And this is what He said. He said, Albert, 20 years ago, did you make me a promise? Mm -hmm. Do you remember what that promise was? Uh, oh, yeah, right. I remember. What was that promise? Uh, Lord, if you rescue me, from this situation, this deep quicksand, this horrible time of my life where I lost everything, my family, my everything, everything, the house. I promise you, Lord, I will serve you up to my last breath on earth. Mm -hmm. It's payback time, boy. That was 20 years ago. And after that, I'm, I'm, it's not easy. Nobody ever said serving God is easy. Okay? But is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. You know, how important is serving to our God, to Jesus? When Jesus came, how did He come? Did He come as a conquering king? Or did he come as a servant? He gave us this example. Foot washing. The lowliest. The pinakamababang pwede mong gawin. He had to make a, 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 an impression on us. That he wants us to be like him. The son of man did not come to be served. But to? To serve. To serve. So, as we close, I'd like to, once again, read these verses. Shall we all read together, please? Joshua 22.5 But be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that, the Mos that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. To love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to obey His commands, to hold fast to Him, and to serve Him with all your heart and your soul. Now I have a special part of this message to, uh, for you. I would like to invite my lovely wife, Gina, to share with us how God moved in our lives from her perspective. So you will know if I was lying or not. Hello everybody. It's a privilege to be here. Mm, what you see in front of you is a changed man. So I would like to tell you our story before um, his message ends. Um, Albert and I have been married for 33 years. I met, we have four kids, four grown kids. I met him in my final year in college. And it, it was great because we hit it off immediately. He was adventurous, he was attractive, he was affectionate. 
And, and I just enjoyed being with him. And although I knew he had a wild side, I chose to, to look past that. And, and I just continued to be drawn to him. I, I grew up in the province and I had a suburban upbringing. So when I met this cool guy, it was really exciting for me. So after a whirlwind relationship of five months, we got married. I he was 21 and I was 19. So weeks into our marriage, I got the surprise of my life. I discovered that my husband had a drug problem, an alcohol problem, and a temper problem. And I was just so overwhelmed. But because I loved him so much, I, I tried my very best to quote-unquote fix my husband. I tried manipulation, I tried confrontation, I even tried religion to get to fix him. And for a while, I thought that these measures were helpful because he actually sobered and he actually behaved. And so this, this was a time of peace in our life. We had our kids and um, life was good. And that's when we got invited to Bible study. And we started to attend Bible study. We met good friends like Insong, Lynette, Danny, and Grace. And um, as we continued, I was really getting into it, but little did I know that in my husband's heart, the work hadn't really sunk in, and, and I, I was clueless that as I was busy starting a new business at that time, I had no idea that my husband had gotten back to his old vices and was living a double life. While I was busy with the business, I was clueless about my husband's excesses. So what devastated me then was when I found out that my husband was having an affair. I was really betrayed, I felt so angry, and I was very disappointed. But what the drop that filled the bucket was when I find, found out that, that, was, that when he started to confess, he did not have just one, but a staggering number of affairs. And so, <laughs> this really blew me over. And uh, um, that was the tip of the iceberg. And so I really, really got upset. And, you know, I, I thought we had a good life. And when, I, when what I realized that what I thought wasn't consistent with reality, I couldn't handle the disappointment. So my disappointment turned to anger. My anger turned to bitterness and it turned to rebellion. Rebellion against my husband and rebellion against God. And I would keep a mental inventory of everything that he had confessed to me. And every day I spent it lashing out at him and verbally abusing him and making him pay for what he had done by staying at home, okay? All this time, um, I was um, very upset and I was very disillusioned with God. I also stopped reading my Bible. I stopped coming to Bible study. And, you know, typically, typically, my husband would fight back and he would revert to his old ways. But by God's grace, we had just come from a couple's retreat. And in that retreat, he recommitted his life to the Lord and he had this resolve to walk with the Lord. And he really wanted to become a better follower of Jesus. He wanted to become a better husband. But me, I remained defiant. I was still angry. So as I hung on to my anger, I, 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 I got really very disturbed. I, I carried this on for a year. And throughout that year, I got very disturbed. I got very unhappy, and I got very depressed. And it was a depression that I didn't 
know how to get out of. And God just told me in my heart that, you know, Gina, the solution is not in taking revenge. It's not in taking antidepressants, but the solution lies in me. And that's when God spoke to me that I was hanging on to my unforgiveness as a shield so that I wouldn't get hurt again. And God just brought me to a verse that was in Colossians, and, and it says that He has forgiven us our transgressions, and He has canceled out the certificate of debt against us, which was hostile to us, taking it out of the way and nailing it to the cross. You know, when I meditated on that verse, the words, cancel the debt, kept going to my mind. And, and God was telling me that as I canceled your debt of sin to me, you have to cancel your husband's debt. And just, I just as I released you from the penalty of your sin to me, you have to release your husband's, the penalty of your husband's sin against you. And just as I forgave you, you have to forgive your husband. And so I struggled, I emotionally struggled, but you know, I knew that it was a losing battle. I knew that God was the only way, and that was when I really broke down and decided to say yes to God. And, and, and as I said yes to God, I knew that that didn't mean that I would forget what my husband did, but it meant that I would never bring up my husband's offenses again. And I learned then that true forgiveness meant that I had to stop thinking of my husband's sin against me, stop reminding him of his sin against me, and stop reminding others of his sin against me. And so I really let it go and released my pain to the Lord, trusting in a verse that God gave me that said, I will repay you for the years that the locust has eaten. And so each time, each time I would feel like I would get tempted to leave the marriage or become unforgiving, God gave me another promise. And he said, do not call to mind former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. That's in Isaiah 43. And so I kept that promise in my heart that God said, Behold, I will do something new. Weeks later, our D group leader then, Pastor Peter Tanchi, challenged my husband to lead a small group. And to my surprise, God enabled my husband to accept. So that time we invited just a band of relatives, my siblings, their spouses, and a few cousins, to form a group of 12 that was the start of our D group. From there, um, they started to invite friends and that group started to grow. And you know, blessed by the changes I saw in my husband, I partnered with him. And we partnered together to make the D group a place where people could be secure and feel loved and accepted and be accountable. We were also very intentional in making that group a place that had great food, great fun, and great, great fellowship. And so um, by God's grace, we, we started to get intentional in in allowing our group members to exercise their gifts within the group. So when we'd have events or when we'd have projects or outreaches, there we saw who were the givers, who were the teachers, who were the encouragers, the counselors, and the administrators, and all the gifts just started to come out. And they had a sense of ownership because they knew the D group was family, so they owned up to their gifts and they really exercised them. And by God's grace, my husband was faithful in casting the vision to make disciples 
or to make Christ committed followers who will make Christ committed followers. And so the D group embraced that vision and they started to, to serve God uh, using their gifts and to started for, forming their own D groups. You know, we kept encouraging them that Jesus took 12 apostles. They were ordinary, imperfect, messy people and God launched a movement through them. And so inspired by that vision, it was easy for them to accept the vision when, when my husband was assigned to CCF Makati. Of course, we were fearful, we felt so unworthy, but you know, it was a God-sized task that only God could handle, and it was just a privilege for us to be part of the task. So after much prayer, we accepted, and life has never been the same. And now, as my husband said, um, that band of 60 that we're discipling now from the 12 now forms the nucleus of CCF Makati. They are the core volunteers. And now the church, as he has said, has grown from 400 to 1,000. And as we celebrated our second year anniversary, I was just thinking about God brought me to the time when I forgave my husband. And he was telling me, Gina, if you did not obey, if you did not take that step of faith, you would have forfeited seeing God made an impact on your marriage, on your family, on your destiny, and on your legacy. So I go back to the promise that God said, I will repay you for the years that the locusts has eaten. Indeed, God has, is no debtor, and he has repaid me. Today, I am in awe of God's amazing power to transform. My husband, from a desperate alcoholic, has been sober for 18 years. From a serial philanderer, he is now a loving and faithful husband and a doting father to my kids. And from a man of the world, he is now a man of the word. Taking the helm as a spiritual leader of our family and now so humbled and privileged to be chief servant and pastor at CCF Makati. So what, what is God teaching us? God has taught me that, you know, Albert and I are, are still imperfect. We are works in progress. But God continues to teach us that when we say yes to him, that when he chooses his way over our way, we leave God room to do the impossible in our lives. So I end with this verse, which has inspired me all these years. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, No eye has seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. All for his glory. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you for listening. And uh, as we draw to a close, may I challenge you? Is that okay? What do I mean by that? First of all, we are all one family. We are all one body. We are all one church. We all belong to the same movement. Alright? Christ, Commission, Fellowship. What is our vision? I know you've seen this hundreds of times, but Please indulge me. To see a movement of millions of Christ-committed followers meeting in small groups, transforming lives, transforming families, communities, and nations. For what purpose? For the glory of God. Now, that is our vision. Now, when you say vision, that is how 
we would like to see ourselves in the future. Now, CCF, as an organization, as a movement, has a very, very specific vision. And that vision is called the 2020 vision. I'm sure your pastors have told you about this already. What is this 2020 vision? By the year 2020, how many years to go from now? Seven years. The target is to have 20,000 small groups within CCF. All right? That means 20,000 small group leaders. 100 city churches in the Philippines and 20,000 international churches globally. Do you know by the grace of God, we are growing. We just recently started CCF Qatar. Now, if you, if, you, if you just have this mindset, you know it's hard to put up a church in North America because there's a lot of detractors, a lot of people, they don't like religion, etc., etc. But you know what? It's a walk in the park. You, 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 th- you, you hear the stories of how people, they form churches in the Middle East. I mean, talk about persecution. We are still blessed. Amen? Yes. Amen. Okay? So, how do we get there? What is our mission? To honor God and make Christ committed followers who will make Christ committed followers. Now, you don't have to focus on so many. Start with one. Start with one person. You share the gospel to him. You show him love. You take care of him. You lead him towards Christ. One by one. Jesus, before he went up, what did he say? As he was leaving earth, he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. At CCF Makati, by the grace of God, we have our own version of the 2020. It's called the 7 in 7. What does that mean? In seven years, by the grace of God, we, would, we are planning, by the grace of God, okay, to multiply seven times to 7,000. Okay, and that involves putting a network. This was the area that was assigned to us. Half of Manila, half of Mandaluyong, the whole of Makati, the whole of Pasay, Taguig, and Pateros. The plan is, in seven years, we will establish 35 churches. City churches, community churches, which are for the less privileged economically, campus churches for the young people, and company churches. Okay. Of course, this is all the work of God, but this is our plan that we are presenting to Him. Now, I challenge you, CCFLA, if we can do it by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can you also do it? Yes. Here you are today. Okay. Now, I must admit, medyo nawala ako, medyo nalayuan ako, sira pa yung 605 exit. But I got here by the grace of God. Amen. We came on time. Okay? Now just think about this. As, as your pastor was saying earlier, what if this happens? Is, do you think that's possible? Yes. Amen. 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 Now, it, God doesn't need us. Think about this as I close. God doesn't need us. God doesn't need us to do His work. 
God is God. God is sovereign. He's the creator. He is the owner, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. He doesn't need us. So when we do something for God, we are actually benefiting who? Ourselves. Now, what better life can you live? You know, by the grace of God, not to make yabang, huh? I, I say this only as a reference point. I have experienced wealth early in my 20s. But you know what? The Lord giveth, He can also taketh away. So I know both sides. And you know what? There is no greater joy. There is no fulfillment greater than in serving the Lord. Okay? Do we have time for the video or no more? Pwede? I'd like to show you this video.
fun doing it. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Praise God. As, as we close, just some uh, words from Pastor Rick Warren, who is uh, not too far away from here. And uh, he said that, remember this term? Saved to serve God. We are saved to serve God. Our service is needed. Each of us has a role to play. And every role is important. There are no insignificant ministries in the church. Some are visible, some are behind the scenes, but all are valuable. Smaller hidden ministries often make the biggest difference. And brethren, as I end this message today, I'd like to challenge you to bloom, to bloom where you are planted. It is no mistake that you are here, that God has placed you here in this foreign land. And if you know, if you think about it, uh, movements like INC and other movements, they have prospered. How much more those with the one true living God Amen. behind them? Amen? Amen? So go forth, brethren, go forth. And you know, if you think about it, as I close with this last verse, Matthew 21, 25, 21. Is this not what we want to hear? Is this not what we, what we want to hear, brethren? As we enter the gates of heaven, what do we want our Lord and Savior to tell us? Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Are those the words that you want to hear in your future? Praise God. Shall we pray? Lord God, we thank you so much for bringing us all together to this morning, Lord. Father, we know that it is your desire that each and every one of your children actually serve you in whatever capacity, in whatever gifts, in whatever calling that you have assigned to us, Lord God. And we thank you, Father, for, for this. We thank you for giving us purpose in our lives, O oh God. And Father, we just pray for those of us here that somehow have some doubts, Lord God, whether... He or she has fully committed himself to you, Lord God. Father, we just want to take this opportunity to pray what we call the sinner's prayer. For any of you, brethren, here who is not sure of whether you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, whether you have put your full trust and faith into him, I invite you now to pray this prayer. Lord God, Lord Jesus, I confess my sins. I ask you, Lord Jesus, by faith, to come into my heart, to come into my life, to be my Lord and Savior. I thank you once again for your finished work in Calvary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.